Hey, you damn guys. Welcome to Book Club Member Comics. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Are we Lovelace? And I'm Danielle. And I'm Wes. Hey, it's Wes. Wes is back. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey. Hey, Hey, guys. What's going on? (laughs) I just rode here on a snail. That's a giant snail. Yes. uh, Thank you so much, Wes, for joining us. Thank you, Danielle, for riding in on a snail. We're here the snail's to... name is Cheddar Cheese. Yes, okay. <laughs> Great job. Great job. Thank you, Cheddar Cheese. You asked. Uh, this is our book club podcast. We're reading comics and sometimes actual books. Sometimes. Like today, we're hanging out with our friends, and now Danielle's going to tell you all about it. Uh, no, Wes is going to tell you all about it. Do it. Oh, okay. I'll, all right, I'll do it. I haven't done it in a while. <laughs> this is a book club, and it's a podcast. Then what we do is, I'm going to try and do it not with the... I'm going to do it just normal. I'm going to try. It's we were a podcast where you call in or sorry. No, you don't call in. Wait, we got to we got to present a book and then we read the book. We tell you what we're going to read. I can't not do it. We tell you what we're going to read. <laughs> You're doing a great and job, you, buddy. Then you read it and then we talk about it on the show and then we tell you our concepts or mostly you guys because I'm only here every once in a while and then. <laughs> The listeners send in feedback in different forms of sometimes video, sometimes or not audio. Wait, literally never. Happened. Or sometimes, yeah, never a video, but audio. I'm I'm blowing this one. Audio would and be then, great though. No, you oh, did. You, got, you guys William, have gotten audio. William Tunholm did oh, a video. I'm yeah. wrong. Oh, William Tunholm did send a video. You're right. Keep and going. Even yes. Snail mail delivered by a snail. Um, yeah. His name is Cheddar Cheese. By Cheddar Cheese, the delivery snail, and. More common DMs and emails, and then when you do that, we talk about those comments, call them, call them a "Hey, you damn guys," and in the process, become friends. Yes, there yes. you go, and that's a book club. That's a book and it's a book club. Yes, that thank is you so club. much, Wes. Thanks, you did a Wes. Great job. You did a great yes, job. Awesome. That was a bad Thanks job. For- Well, it was a great job because it was very funny. Yes, I have some shouts outs for this week. Shouts outs. Yes, um, shouting out again. The Won't Back Down, uh, the anthology by Trina Robbins, which will feature a story by the Baltimore team, Bridget Connell, Christopher Golden, Michelle Madsen, and Janice Chang. The story is set in the Outerverse, which we're covering today with the Baltimore book. At the time of this recording, they still need like 1200 bucks to get to their goal. Um, So go back to this book today. All the proceeds go towards Planned Parenthood. So the link will be in the show notes. And um, by the time that this episode goes up, I think there's five days left. Okay, Okay. so you have a couple more days to go in there and back the book and let's get it done. And now we're going to go on to our listener feedback. Listener feedback. Feedback. Listener feedback. (laughs) You read a story. We talk about it. You hate them guys us. And it's a book club. Get out. What's in the feed bag? What do we got? Oh, we got a Hey Damn Guys from a Hayden Orr. Hayden Orr. Book club member. That's right. Great episode, you fraggin' soups. I'll be the first to admit I was not a Superman fan for the longest time, but I've become one of Rao's greatest Cal-El appreciators over the last several <laughs> years. My first exposure was my parents watching the Chris Reeves films. I'm sure a lot of y'all can relate to that. Yep. Yes. And I was thoroughly unimpressed upon first viewing. Oh, no. <laughs> So this awesome. dude was cringe compared to a Batman or a Wolverine in my eyes. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. yeah. But slowly I started to find Superman more tolerable. As I watched the animated series, yeah, that'll do it. And on to the Justice League cartoons. JLU is so good. 
He still wasn't my favorite, but I was less inclined to think he was not a good hero. Also, around this time, my mom was obsessed with watching Smallville. Ah, Aubrey. Yes, you loved liked Smallville. It. And I would occasionally catch some of the episodes. And I must say, shirtless Tom Welling definitely contributed to my bi-pan awakening. Nice. <laughs> nice. At some point, I caught the Fleischer cartoons and fell in love with them and then began to read some of the classic Superman stories, like Secret Origin and Birthright. Yes. But I didn't read For the Man Who Has Everything until I saw the episode on JLU. And then upon reading the comic, I fully realized that Superman wasn't boring at all. He just needs a writer who understands the material and cares about the character. I've since gone on to become a huge Supes fan and also realized that he nearly has as great a rogues gallery as Batman and the Flash do. I mean, Lex Luthor, Brainiac, Metallo, Parasite, yeah. Bizarro, Zod, Toyman, Cyborg, Superman, and all of Apocalypse. The list goes on. Yes. And of course, possibly mm -hmm. the greatest Superman comic of all time, All-Star Superman. Yeah. What more can you say? I will say some other writers who really get Superman that have been putting out great stuff recently are Peter Tomasi and Tom Taylor. And the introduction of John Kent, a.k.a. the new Superboy slash Superman, has been awesome, especially since, along with Tim Drake, he's been written as openly bisexual in his subsequent series appearances. Too much stuff to say in one comment about Superman, so I'll end it by saying, that panel of Superman saying burn and then blasting Mongol is one of the rawest fucking moments of comics history. Yes. Excellent. Very good. Thank you for sharing all of that. We yes. appreciate that Hayden, very much. Awesome. I love a cyborg Superman. Yeah. Um, cyborg oh, yeah. Superman is fucking awesome. Yeah. I, I haven't thought about that. He has a great rogues gallery. Very oh, cool. yeah. He really does. Yeah. yeah. I'm even getting like more excited about this James Gunn thing. I think he, I hope he does something like really good with this character. You know what I mean? I, there's there's, there's so hope? much potential with Superman. Hope. Gosh. Well, he hasn't let me down yet in movies. So. Okay. And thank you also, Hayden, for sharing that little bit of personal development with us. We appreciate that. Oh, I'm sure yeah. there are probably oh, yeah. some people out there who are like, hey, yeah. You know? So. Yeah. Very cool. We got a Hey You Damn Guys from Christopher Egan. Christopher Egan. Book club member. That's right. Yes. Uh, was it fate this episode got bumped to today, the anniversary of Superman's first appearance? Oh, I, yes. oh okay. So we didn't know that. What, the day that the episode came out was the 85th anniversary of oh. Superman. That's oh, crazy. Action Comics it's number one coming out. Yeah, that was really cool. That's cool. You we did it on purpose. We totally did yes, it on purpose. Yes, we did. Yeah. Totally. That was, we, meant that. we meant that. He also said the JLU episode was my introduction to the story, and I got my first printing like eight or nine years ago. Top tier, sad boy comic for me <laughs> one of the few things from alan moore that still works completely for me side note the girl who has everything was pretty good but doesn't compare to the comic or the jlu episode and i volunteer as tribute to discuss all-star superman anytime anywhere it sounds oh, like we're getting a lot of votes for nice. all-star superman yes. i think we might have to actually yes. get into that yes. yes and we'll have to pull christopher on in on those that would be that great. can be my pick if you want like That'd i don't care great. like yeah. i think we should definitely do it because yeah, we got to we're getting a lot of uh that's really good yeah we also heard from Matt Strackbine. Matt Strackbine. The Letter Hack Book Club member. That's yeah, right. That's right. The Letter Hack. Check him out. I'll put a link in the show notes. He did our awesome banner image on social media. Awesome. He sent us um, some highly recommended Superman books. Oh, okay. He said, best Superman-Batman team-up, World's Finest from 1990. Oh. Three-issue mini by Dave Gibbons and Steve Rude. Oh, how about Ooh. that? Written, okay. by, written by Dave Gibbons with uh, art by Steve Rude. He said, best Superman solo story, Superman Up in the Sky, 2026 issue mini by Tom King and drawn by Andy Kubert. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, that sounds great. He said, best vintage comic, Superman versus Muhammad Ali from 1978, uh. <laughs> the oversized one shot yeah. by Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams and his favorite animated stuff. He also included... 
Justice League Unlimited Season 2, Episode 7, Clash, mm. where Superman fights oh, Shazam. Yeah. That is such a good episode. Mm. Superman, the Animated Series, Season 3, Episode 7, In Brightest I like Day. How, sorry, I like how we've all agreed to just call him Shazam. I think that that's... Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry, anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to... Uh, that's a... Uh... The one with Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern? Yeah, where commercial artist Kyle Rayner becomes Green Lantern. Sorry, could you say the title one more time? I totally talked over you. I apologize. Season 3, Episode 7, In Brightest Day. And then he said, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies 2010, a sensational comic-to-film adaptation featuring a lot of other characters, including Metallo, and they nailed Ed McGinnis's art style. Yeah, they, they did a really good job on that. Okay, I'll have to yeah. check that out. Right, there you go. Yes, thank you, Matt. Uh, those are all books that I haven't read. So those are all great oh, hey. Superman comics that I've never... That's I don't think I've rare. read any of them. To um, come across something you haven't great. read. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for the recommendations. Yeah, thank you. We also heard from Callie Kaysen. Callie Kaysen. Book club Book. member. Ah, beat you to it. Callie said, just listening and wish I could participate. There's so much I'd love to talk about with you folks. You can. Nightwing and Firebird are heroes in the Bottle City of Candor, and they help Superman when he shrinks and visits the Bottle City. Yeah. There's nice. also a really cool Silver Age Superman story where he can shoot a miniature of himself out of his hand. Yes. I've seen the panel. Yes, we've seen that panel. <laughs> to help fight crime and save the day. Anyway, keep up the fun listening, friends. Ah, oh, thank so you, much, Callie. Feel free to contribute whenever you'd like. Yeah, we love hearing us, from uh, you. Absolutely. Send us your random thoughts. I'd love to hear them. Absolutely. Wait, so okay, so Superman shoots a little version of himself out of his hand, and that Superman has the same powers as Superman. So does that Superman get to shoot a little version oh, of himself? Oh, it's and little Superman all the way down, oh. all the way down to the yeah, <laughs> fractal Superman. I don't want to think about that. Ugh. We also heard from Jerry Turnbull. Jerry Turnbull. Book club member. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, I'd like to recommend this recent book for obvious reasons. The book is Confabulation, an anecdotal autobiography by Dave Gibbons. Uh, it just came out in March of this year okay. by Dave Gibbons and Tim Pilcher, who compiled it. And the opening page, it has the special thanks to, and Jerry's name is in there. Oh, it says Jerry Turnbull. Wow. Yeah. Um, awesome. Apparently, uh, Drew. So, nice. so Drew was like, I'm curious. You got to sure. tell us. Oh, yeah. Asked. We need the story. So he said, I helped Dave and Tim with a load of images they didn't have, and they're all in the book. Wow. And oh, man. Uh, so Jerry Turnbull, we all love him because he runs the Mike Manilo's art page yes. on Facebook, which is one of the only reasons to even get on Facebook. <laughs> um, so yeah. he also has a group, The Watched Man. It's the official Dave Gibbons group. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, check that group out as well. Now that I know that Jerry's running that group, I'm like, nice. Yeah. you know, I'm all in there. And then, like, seeing the art, you're like, oh, I want to read more of the Dave Gibbons stuff. Yes, you know definitely. What I mean? So, it's kind of like. Watched Man. Very good. Yes. The Watchman. I love <laughs> Excellent. it. Excellent. Yes. We love a Watched Man. So, I'll link, uh, I'll link Mike Mignola's art and the Watched Man in the show notes if you want to check out those groups on Facebook. Excellent. Also, awesome. I have to say, Aubrey, I like your uh, Ivagamoto shirts. Oh, thank very you. Very good. Thank yeah. you, thank you. I like this shirt. Um, (laughs) So what about you, Wes? Do you have any Superman thoughts that you'd like to share? I love the movies growing up. I, I had no problem with Superman. Christopher Reeves was great. Did I you watched wave the cartoon show. Bye, Superman. <laughs> did, you, would you, did you wave bye at the end when he flew by? <laughs> I don't remember waving bye. I don't think so. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I, I love. What was the one where he was uh, the Soviet Russian Superman? That was a fun read. Red Sun. Oh, Red Sun. Yeah, Red Sun. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was a good one. Are you excited for the new Superman movie, or do you even care about that, or no? Yeah, I'm, I, I, I probably won't see that one in theaters. I'll wait until it's on streaming. Yeah, but yeah I'm, I'm okay. excited. I'm always excited for something new to watch. 
Suppose we're going to come out in July 11, 2025. Okay. Uh, wow. Yeah. All right. That's a long sure. ways from now. Not really. Yeah, I guess you're right. Anyway, now we can move on to our next segment. What do you see? What do you say? Hey, what are you seeing and what are you saying, guys? I'm uh, still on uh, Battlestar Galactica. Right on. <laughs> okay. Ah, I keep meaning to... We should start watching that. Uh, yeah. We've been really busy. Yeah, I've been week. getting ready for a lot of yeah. stuff we that's going lot, on. We have yeah. a lot of stuff going on. I was looking today, a game that I really liked on the consoles is on sale right now on Switch, mm. Castle Crashers. Castle Crashers. Okay. By uh, Behemoth Games. Have you ever played Castle I Crashers? I love that little game. Mm. Yeah, it's a lot it's of fun. It's cute, it's fun. It's a great co-op game. Yeah. So okay. if you want a couch co-op game that you and your significant other, yes. or you could play with, well. and it's, Some it, games get harder when you play co-op. <laughs> this game is fun, so we, I like uh, it a lot. Um, it, it, it's a really cute game, but it's also, it's got violence and blood in it and, sure, yeah. and there's like it's very silly it, there's people are taking shits and stuff like it's that or very whatever. well yeah. not people i would say animals animals are taking, are taking shits. shits but anyway that's a really great game it's on sale right now i guess in the animals US. are people so yeah uh castle crashers i would definitely recommend that so uh earlier this week on twitter i saw like garrison she posted this like uh like online little quiz like and I thought it was kind of funny, and I was wondering what, what you guys would say. If you could spend a one-week vacation in any of these fantasy lands, which would you go? Middle Earth, Star Wars, Star Trek, or Marvel Cinematic Universe? Hmm. How long is it? One week. One week. Uh, I don't know if I'd survive a week in any of those places. Well, I think, like... Um... If I get to just chill out in Hobbiton for a oh, week. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's and, Middle Earth all the way. eat food and smoke pipe weed. And, Hobbiton you know? <laughs> 100 fucking percent. That sounds awesome. Yeah. But it's if the it's life like, I've always wanted. But if it's like Hobbiton when like Saruman is coming yeah. and all this <laughs> it's stuff. It's a very specific with, you know, moment in like, time. It's like, when are we, what are we talking about We need to get specific here? with so a timeline for sure. That sounds the best because I guess with the MCU, I'd be worried like, I, some building's gonna fall on yeah, me or absolutely. something. I mean, I'm already worried stuff like that stuff like that's gonna happen to me. <laughs> and it's even more likely over there. And then what were the other ones? Star Wars and Star Trek. Same thing. No. Same thing. No. Well, in no. both of those. In both of those. Well, yeah, Star Trek would be okay. So we're gonna get be in too much danger with Star Trek. Yeah, Star Wars for sure. I was gonna say because I was thinking about it like Star Trek is like you know supposedly like a peaceful utopian kind of thing unless you're out like a uh, with the Klingons and doing all that kind of shit and I'm sitting there thinking about it I was like okay man maybe that's the week I'm gonna pick and then I pick Star Wars because lightsabers. <laughs> but, <laughs> See, I'm not. Yeah, but you don't get a lightsaber. You only, you only have a week. Are you gonna become not doing that? The only way you're yeah, gonna I'll, see a, I'll a lightsaber. <laughs> the only way you're gonna Jedi. see a lightsaber is if you're getting your arm chopped off. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, not yeah, happening. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I'm talking jump to a little kid in a bar. <laughs> Think I about will... it. The people who use lightsabers have magical powers where they can just use their mind to have the lightsaber come right back to them and land in their hand. Yeah. You're, mm -hmm. I mean, no. Yeah, I'll get one. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in you, Aubrey. I believe yeah. in you. They're gonna be like Aubrey. You're the chosen one. Oh, yeah, man. no, I'm with you. It's Middle Earth for sure. Yeah, Middle, Middle Earth is. Yeah, I'm down with Middle yeah, Earth. Yeah, I mean, with wizards. Now, yeah, yeah. But if oh, you're you saying know. Star Trek is like a futuristic utopia, that sounds pretty dope too. I don't mm. know. We'll see. Does How about it this though? One? Everyone's eating pills for food. No, they're not. Real food. Oh, you get. They have those machines that you can make anything you want. And then you oh, can go into a simulator and you can do whatever I've... you want. You can go hang out in Hobbiton it, while in on Star Trek. Oh, in well, Star Trek, it. you can do all of it. I want the real thing, baby. So, is that your answer, Wes? Is the Star Trek? Is Star Trek. I'm no, go... I think I'm probably Middle Earth. I would go hang out. With yeah, let's go. Middle let's go to Middle Earth. Now that we think about it, I want to pick Star Trek Holodeck Middle Earth. 
(laughs) (laughs) Each day you can just do a different one. You can go to Star Trek world and get a lightsaber. Yes. (laughs) Simulate it as a Jedi. That's a good good question, though. That was a fun question. All right. And listeners, let us know uh, which uh, place you'd like to vacation in for yeah. a week. What about you, Wes? I started watching Russian Doll. You guys would be happy that I started. Oh, yeah. That's oh, a good one. man. What do you think about that? I, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I'm only yeah. one episode in. I've only watched the first episode. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my wife, she crushed both seasons. So nice, like, nice. Heck? There you go. Yeah, now you got to catch up. So you got to yeah. talk about it. Yeah, I love Natasha Leone. I think she's great. She's fantastic. Yeah, she's really great. What a concept. <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> what a concept. All right, excellent. I got, you know, I got a new book I think you guys would like. Like, I, I'm trying to get some more, like, kid-friendly books for my son. Oh, nice. But I got um, the Tea Dragon Society, I think. I'm going to read it, but I think it's going to be up your guys' They drink alley. tea? They drink tea with dragons. Nice. Oh, wow. Okay. That's Sounds cool. Good. Tea so. Dragon Society. Nice. Yeah, so I'm excited Double to read that. Ball. Are the dragons very small? Yeah, or they're small. They and okay. I think there's a mix. So I got a companion book, too, okay. that has like all of... Uh, some illustrations. It's a comic. It's a comic by Kay O'Neill. Oh, okay. Oh, he illustrates wow. and writes it. Oh, I'm looking at Let's this. See. This looks awesome. Let's see. Oh, cute. Oh, that is so cute. Aww. Yeah. We'll it's a but like the, um, I started going to a new comic book store, right? Because I moved. Right. And uh, I've been getting to know the people there. Oh, and nice. Very good. one of the ladies like was really like, you have to get this book. And then when your son's old enough, you have to read it to him. And I was like, okay. And I was like, what's your pitch? Because they were like, if you buy three com- uh, trades, you get a fourth one for free. And I was like, okay, nice. what's your pitch on the book? And she was like, when I started working here, I read that book. And then I had to get it tattooed on my body. After Ooh, I read oh, it. Wow. And I was like, okay, I'll get the book. Nice. <laughs> Jokes on you. She tattoos literally everything she's ever read. Oh, on. I know. She, yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> she's like memento or no, that's something. Good. That's cool. <laughs> it was a good pitch. I was like, okay, I'm doing it. Let's go. Great. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. I'll link that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Thank you, Wes. Are you oh. gonna do a double feature of Barbie and Oppenheimer? Because people are doing this. Oh right. People were talking about they're coming out on they're the gonna same do, day. They're right? gonna do a double feature. Wait. Didn't they? Um, didn't Oppenheimer get moved? Did it? I thought it did. Oh, oh no! No, it ruined everybody. Oh, well, they'll no. just wait for the second one to come out. I have seen like, that. They'll be like the opening weekend of whatever the second one comes out. Like sure. for some reason, the other one, like it also goes up, and for you know, whatever <laughs> they're like for some reason the Barbie I hadn't movie read is that Aubrey. Again. Wow. Well, I mean, I'm not 100 percent positive i think i heard that this dang because i hadn't seen that people were planning on doing that so yeah. that's yeah. oh man it's i even saw so like, many people's uh, hopes i even saw like people were mashing them up in the poster yeah i don't know if that's good for you i don't know if that would be good for you do you know what i mean yeah i don't know if it's funny though one of them, but... i feel like one of them would be the palate cleanse and the other one would be the other one and I'm i don't just like, know which if one is which i don't think i could handle that it's kind of a that would be too much that's two 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 opposite sides it would just be, i don't know if i could handle it yeah. Are you planning to see either of those movies, Wes? Yeah, I'll see both of them. I'm going to see both of them. Yeah, I want to see Barbie. Actually, I'm really. I'm. I don't know. It looks fun. It looks interesting. Right on. Christopher Nolan movies. I like. To, we like to see him in the theater yeah, like if, we, if we can. Nolan. Yeah, I think he does a good job. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Here come the haters just, to a... make fun of me. I don't care. I, a... I said I liked something definitively. Fuck off. <laughs> I have a movie theater ruiner, and I never get a babysitter for him. I just can't. Oh. Go to so, but maybe, maybe I'll go back to movie theaters one day. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And now, Danielle, I think you I think you have to tend to your snail over here. Let's go, cheddar cheese. Let's get out of here. 
Bye, Danielle. Bye, cheddar cheese. I'm not out of here. Come on, cheddar cheese. Let's go. Now we're going to go on to our actual book club episode for the week. And I'm going to hand it over to Wes. Go ahead. Let's uh, get into the Baltimore story. Oh, yeah. Back. We're back, baby. This week we're reading The Savior's Tale, Benedictus. Like the blessing or something. Yeah, but in the in the audiobook he goes, Benedictus. Benedictus. <laughs> like John said, this is a larger part of the Outerverse series or titles. This book was published in 2007 by Bantam, written by Mike Mignola and Christopher Golden, with illustrations by Mike Mignola. Last we left off, we were hearing Childress's story and the reason why he found himself at the beck and call of Lord Baltimore. Yeah, he he left. Uh, he left Trevelyan Island and never went back. Right. Um, and then he felt bad about it. And then we also learned that the reason he believed Baltimore was because he had, when he was young Indiana Jones, yeah. he found a vampire that had turned a donkey hide into some sort of killing lake monster or whatever yeah there was like some guy that was possessed in a village and thrown into a lake and turned into a lake monster and then it was like all when they were trying to pillage they were pillaging yeah they were pillaging the village and they went there and they they pulled out this demon and killed it yeah and then so he's like that's why i believed him and then that's where we left off right there that's why i believe that's why i'm a true believer True yeah. believers. That's where we left off. All right. So just like all the other chapters, we open up with a quote from the steadfast tin soldier. The only two who did not move were the tin soldier and the little dancer. She stood as stiff as ever on her tiptoe with her arms spread out. He was equally firm on his one leg and he did not take his eyes off her for a moment. The steadfast tin soldier by Hans Christian Andersen. So I'm trying to like figure out the context of that one in, in this. Well, story. The, it, I think they kind of they with say the, it within the thing, but I, I think the yeah. dancer is Elowen. Yes. His wife. Yeah, Elowen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Child dress finishes story. There's, they sit in silence for a little while. People start leaving the inn or the bar. What is it? The Ugly Muse. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's getting late. Astros exclaims about it. The three men talk about leaving. Like, where would they go? Baltimore is clearly not coming, maybe. And they're like, well, I wouldn't go to sleep tonight. It's not like I could sleep anyway. So I guess we'll go nowhere. We'll sit here and hang out. And then the door opens and a wind sort of blows in and they have an unexpected visitor. Three of them look at the door and a man comes in with a bright blue hat and two legs. So they know it's not Baltimore. (laughs) I thought that was a funny detail. They're like, oh, he had two legs. Dang it. (laughs) That's not who we're looking for. We want to see a big old draggly wooden leg with nails all in it. (laughs) We had a curveball. The man came in looking specifically for those three men, calling them out by name. And they went to him and were like, you have a set of disadvantage. Who are you? The man introduced himself as a courier who leaves them with a package. It was like a promise to Baltimore. It was on the behest that he drop off this package to the guys. Right, yeah. It's one of those things like I'm supposed to come here at this time on this day yeah. and bring this package or whatever. It's all it's kind of mysterious yeah. or whatever. I like those. I like when that happens in movies or whatever. Yeah. So he hands Dr. Rose a leather pouch and uh, this gives everybody the feeling that maybe Baltimore's not coming. Yeah. Um, Immediately they know. Right. And Childress gives the guy a little bit of money and then immediately he leaves out the door. He's like, I'm out of here. Which they find a little bit weird, right? Because they're like, he'd rather be outside and at night instead of in this bar. It's weird. With whiskey and ale. <laughs> yep. Dr. Rose examines the package and draw and pulls out the contents of the package. Inside, there's a journal and a few yellow pages, like a, like a letter. He examines the pages, and Dr. Rose explains that it's not from Baltimore, but a Yanku Volpez. 
from a village called Korsha, right? That's how they said it in the audiobook, Korsha. Yeah. In Romania. I couldn't find Korsha in Romania. Yeah, it's probably just made up for this. It's a cool name for a city, though. Yeah, there's a Korsha in, in Russia. That was the only thing. Ah, okay. Yanko sent this journal. In his writing, he talks about how he sent this journal on behest of Baltimore. And that Baltimore basically saved his town that was plagued. The letter gets to a point where Yanko tells the reader to stop reading the note and now transition to the journal. And then once you're done with the journal, you can come back to the note. I wouldn't be able to do that. I would be just like, ah, what the hell? You know what I mean? I, I would just finish. I just read the letter, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I would do that. I'm with you guys. I thought the exact same thing when I read it. I was like, man, I'm going to I mean, if you, if, you wanted, if you wanted them to not read the to not read that part of the letter first, just put it at the back of the journal. Right. Exactly. Yeah, right. exactly. But like, they're his bros, right? They're like his hardcore bros. So maybe they're like, oh, we got to do what he says. What you if, what if that was like, what if that was like my dying wish? I was like, oh, you got to do this stupid little errand or whatever, even though you don't, <laughs> you don't have to. And then you just yeah. be like, eh, well, I guess we'll I guess we'll just do what it says. I don't know. They're his bros. They love him. I'm not Baltimore's bro. So I just skipped to the part of the book where they read the letter. I just skipped ahead and finished the letter. And then I went back in the book. <laughs> Once he says, stop reading the, the note and go on to the book. Ice Cross is sort of upset by this. And he's like, is this the reason why we were summoned here? It can't be the reason why we were summoned right, here. Read this, yeah. read this journal. Chadras encouraged him to continue doing what they said. Let's let's read the journal as, it, as the note said. Um, and then we get a story from Lord Baltimore himself, which is kind of fun. It just sort of came out of nowhere. We, we pick up the journal of Lord Henry Baltimore on June 10th, 19. Nobody knows what year it was. I guess yeah. it was the year it is. 1900 and blank. That's what it says in the that's how they book. That's how they read it in the audio book, yeah. Um, I thought this was, uh, this kind of reminded me of Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. A lot of that book is like, um, what is it called? Epistolary? Yeah. Where you're reading like other people's letters and stuff like that or journal entries and all of that. So I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was kind of a nice nod to that kind of thing. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it totally is. So he starts off that this is his fifth journal. I like actually that they did this. It was like, this is my fifth journal. If you want to find the first two volumes, you can go to Trevelyan Island. The third and the fourth books are back in Brasov in Romania. Right. Um, I thought this I kinda, was kind of funny too. He's like, I mean, I don't know. It's like, I'm going to go on this whole journey just to, I guess like if you're doing research into like vampires or something like that, that might be like yeah. worthy of it. So that makes it kind of cool. But like otherwise... No, I'm not going to go track down these other things. <laughs> I mean, they don't need to. But you need to find book five to know where the other books are, right? So if somebody oh, then shit, has book yeah. five and leaves with book five, or what if these other people find those two books and they're like, I'm taking these books. This has yeah, right. <laughs> like, they're not there anymore. But it's, it reminds me of Hodge. Remember Hodge from, oh, yeah. the, uh, oh, yeah. from the comic? Yeah. Only one who's like writing the – and Baltimore is like, no, you need, to, you need to journalist stuff. You need to create a story. You're right. You're absolutely right. You're doing – you're doing oh yeah that's work. right awesome yeah but it's also like a way to be like there's more than this one journal and we don't have to read all of the journal we're going to skip ahead to this part of the journal that baltimore wants you to hear you know yeah yeah brasov is a city in transylvania this is what i read um in romania i thought transylvania was a city but i guess i'm guess not transylvania must be like a territory in romania and brasov is a city in it oh okay i don't know so i was i was i didn't do to due diligence of, of trying to figure it out. But it might be one of those things where it's a country and a city or something like that. Yeah, maybe. He talks about the journals being something that can help aid 
people in their battles with darkness. From Brasa of Baltimore is traveling to Odessa, where there is an infestation. Baltimore knows this is his purpose and this is why he was chosen, he says, to go and kill vampires, I guess. Yeah, he talks about like he just goes wherever he's needed. Like that could be like a whole, that could be a TV show. You know what I mean? He just like wanders around and finds a bunch of amp wherever there's a bunch of vampires and he's like i'm gonna get them okay so transylvania was kind of a historical area that encompasses present-day uh romania so it's like a, it was a different country oh okay yeah. oh really okay good job aubrey no don't think me think the think the moon's gravitational pull <laughs> <laughs> okay it's from the simpsons don't thank me like the moon's gravitational pull baltimore goes on and says i am the scourge of the vampire i am the one they whisper about and go about in fear of the way that all of humanity now goes about in fear of them. I am the hunter. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I like all that. He's like, when they tell the scary stories to the little vampires, it's about me. I'm their boogeyman or whatever. Not like I am legend. That's what like the, yeah, Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like that. (laughs) Yeah. And he talks about how he likes walk. Like when he can walk, he'll walk to places because he can, I guess he learns more and he can find more people and get more information. And then when he right. can catch a ride in a cart, he'll catch a ride, but there's not a lot of kindness in the world. So he uses his harpoon as a walking stick, which is. <laughs> yeah. He unscrews the top of it. That comes into play later, but yeah. And yeah. then he like, whenever he smells food, he's like, Oh, I'm going to go over here. Ah, I food. Check this out. <laughs> yeah. More food smelling. Right. <laughs> yeah. So as he's walking, he sees through the trees, some chimneys rising from the roofs of a town and smoke rising from one. He can smell a cooking fire. He presumes it's cooking fires. Baltimore talks about his provisions for a little bit, like all the things that he has, which actually sound pretty good. Like he's pretty good at. Yeah. You know, he's got time. like, not only does he have like all the weapons and everything, but he's got like, a nice little like uh, array there. He's got a nice little like charcuterie plate. Yeah, I was going to say, he got enough to make one. Oh, and he's like, oh, but when I can get a good meal, I'll go get a good meal. I was like, that sounds like you have a good meal. You're carrying a good meal. Yeah. That's like what I, like, I don't know. But he, yeah, he, like he says, when he's given the opportunity, he welcomes a meal. If there is a place in this town to find hospitality, I intend to take advantage before moving on. He does not plan on staying long in the town for he has other plans. He's moving on. He's hunting a vampire. As he picks up his pace to head to the town, he senses another presence in the trees and out comes a a weathered old woman sort of like grayish who warns him away from going her hair was a dull gray and her face wrinkled jaundiced and pale she wore a black shawl over a brown sack of a dress her eyes were bright blue and so full of life that i shuddered to see her thinking of folk tales i had heard about young men and women who had their youth stolen by witchcraft outwardly she herself looked like a witch but the hag's blue eyes seemed so much younger than that had she told me a tale of black magic wrought upon her I believed her. She sort of like hisses and points her crooked finger at him and, and beckons him to come towards her. And she's like, stay away from that town. Don't go near that town. And he listens to her message and he's like, all right, if there's, if you're telling me to stay away from this town and there's evil stuff in this town, then I need to go to this town. Right. Like it's, yeah. it's part of my duty to go to this town. Her warnings and curse only hurried me along. My blood raced and I felt a grim strength rising in me. If there was such a shadow upon this place, that bright-eyed old woman warned travelers away, I knew I belonged here. Yeah, he's he's pumped. He's like, oh, you oh, don't want right. me to go there? Man, yeah. now I'm like, now I got some purpose in the world. Now, now I got to go there. He And as he walks close, he, start, he still smells the smoke on the air, but he also catches another scent of death. There's cottages and larger houses as he walks into the town. 
Even before the evil had arrived, there must have been little to the place save for the hard work and good intentions of those who had built it. So it's just like a small little pretty town. People are sort of scattered everywhere, sort of like aimless. There's a baby like screaming with with the mother and she doesn't really react to the Right. He says like they're all like sleepwalking just through through life. As he walks through the town, there's black sashes ordained on some of the doors. He knows what this means, that the plague is, is going through there, though. He thought they should be red instead. They picked the wrong color. The Red King. Yeah, yeah, the Red mm-hmm. King. Baltimore comes up on a traveler's inn. It's the kind of place he'd been looking for. He talks about how in his journeys, the best place to get information is from an innkeeper or the bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a nice little illustration, too, of this. Uh, oh, yeah. This little inn. Yeah, um, with the gas lan- lantern. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. There's also there was also a good one of that old lady too. Yeah, that old lady was good. It's just like you can't see her eyes. I'm surprised. We'll see I eyes. know, right? Well, I guess like they're so the way they describe them so vividly. I don't know if it would translate. I guess they're just like let's leave that to the imagination. Yeah, right. Um, he walks up to the inn. There's an old man sitting out front who's as fragile as the chair he's sitting in. When he enters the inn, it is completely deserted. There's nobody there. He calls into the place a few times, and finally a man walks down the stairs, wiping tears from his eyes. A room, Baltimore says, and the man questions him. You? Stay here? Plague is here. Baltimore reached inside his jacket to show him a silver cross that's hung from his neck. And then the, the guy asked him, are you a priest? Are you a priest? No, I'm a soldier, Baltimore said. They went and exchanged money for a room. The man starts to begin crying again i'm sorry my daughter he says what is it she's sick by by the way he's acting he'd tell that his daughter was dead and the man's in no no condition to to have guests but baltimore is not an ordinary guest his coat is hanging open so he and he draws it back so that way the guy can see all his weapons and... yeah yeah he like shows he shows the guy all when he's like hey man i'm here to do some stuff if if yeah. you need help I, I can help you and then he asks where she is yeah um, he's like i'm packing heat yeah, I got some stuff. I got we can, we can do some damage here, man. Let, I'm not what you think I am. I'm a soldier. He doesn't really give him an answer. He looks at him with confusion. And Baltimore says vampires. Baltimore knows that in this region, vampires have a long history of folklore. Despite all the man must have seen in his life, he refuses to believe it in this moment. Uh, Seva Nestre will be born, reborn, maybe I was thinking. Oh, it, that's what, what he says. Yeah, he she's going to come Baltimore back. Baltimore says, Seva Nestre will be born. He means like she, she's like going to come back, right? Yeah. Baltimore felt like there was something he could still do for this man's daughter. And the guy could do something for his daughter so she could rest free of the Red Death. Baltimore asks what his name is. Volpes, he replies. Volpes is Latin for fox. I thought that was. Oh, know. okay. Oh, well, that's actually cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually really cool. Like Fox Mulder or whatever. Yeah, Fox Mulder. Through the exchange, I guess he's like, "Okay, if you're you're going to help my daughter, fine." They do it, and they sort of make a pact. They like grab each other's wrists and make a pact. They're like, "Okay, we're going to do this. I'll show you where I'll show you where my daughter is." Basically, that's without... like the cool handshake. You know what I mean? When you see people do that in movies, I think they do it on Lord of the Rings or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? Where you shake someone's yep. hand, like, and you get their whole yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. We're bros now. Yeah, pack with you're me. my new bro. <laughs> But he's just making bros everywhere he goes. For someone yep. who's not nice and gets people killed, he's just really good at making friends. <laughs> he life really is. friends. Yeah, for real. I mean, even though their life ain't going to be very long. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know. It's a short life. It's a lifelong friend. Short, lifelong friend. Volpe's li- leads Baltimore down uh, an empty hall. 
and into like what looks like his own living quarters where him and his family lived. Uh, and in there, there's a young man sitting in, inside the room. The young man is clearly his son. And as he's sitting there, he's singing to a corpse that's on the on the bed, right. which is Volpe's daughter. Right. So this is where the daughter is. Volpe's introduces Baltimore to his son, who spoke English better than Volpe's. His name was Yanku. Yanku was the guy who dropped off the package, right? He's the one that sent the package. Oh, right, right. The courier. Oh, just... Okay. The courier. The courier. Yeah. He, Yanku's the one who wrote the letter wrote and the told letter. us to stop. Read this part yes, and then yeah. get back to the letter. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. it's him. <laughs> he starts talking to his son and Baltimore can only assume that he was explaining who Baltimore is and that he's going to save the dead girl's spirit. Volpe's mentions vampires and Yanko sort of scoffs and is like, ah, whatever. Yeah. This is stupid. You're ridiculous. You're being ridiculous. What will you do with her? Yanko asks. To purify her soul, we must burn her remains. And then we get a sweet illustration of the town with the moon above. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But they're all offended. They're like, oh my God, you can't do that. You know what I mean? They're like, you know, shocked that he wants to burn the body. Yeah. Yeah. The boy spins around. I do not believe in vampires. Then you are a fool, he says. I have never been to Korsha before, but even I can see that this town is a ghost itself. It is being drained of its lifeblood. I speak the truth, even if you wish to deny it. You've seen it with your own eyes. Tonight or perhaps tomorrow night, they will come to claim her and she will rise. Who am I? I am the only one they fear, Baltimore replied. I looked at the corpse covered with the white sheet, and then at the tall, westward-facing window, sunlight streamed in, but later, they would be the first to see the nightfall. Sit with me tonight, Baltimore said to Yanku. You and I will keep her company. See with your own eyes, and in the morning, we'll discuss what to be done later. His eyes were cold with pain, no doubt, but he agreed. Volpe's has given me a room and a hot meal. His son has avoided me since our introductions in the dead girl's bedroom. And I sit and write this and wait in the dark. So he's just like sitting there journaling. Yeah. He's like, man, I have some time to write in my journal here. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get my journal entry in for today. <laughs> and then we go. We're on chapter two. He's probably like, like taking a dump or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's like, man, this is the one chance that I have. Uh, I'm going to go use the outhouse really quick and fucking get my journal <laughs> entry in. <laughs> Volpe's prepared an evening meal for them, which apparently was really good. He was a good cook. Venison and cabbage with delicious flavors sounds amazing. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and that's pretty awesome. The two, the two men other than Baltimore barely eat their food. Baltimore went up for seconds and thirds, not knowing when he would have another good meal, but also trying to be respectful or like... You know, and he doesn't want it to go to waste. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want it to go to waste. Yeah, for real. Yanko and Baltimore set up in his sister's room, in Yanko's sister's room. Basically tells Volpe's to go watch the front door. Volpe's wants to stay in the room. He's thinking to himself, there's not enough room. This father's grieving too much. Is he going to get in the way or is he going to do right, what needs to be yeah. done? I'm going to give him a job and save his pride. And he tells him that he needs to go watch the front door that nobody can disturb them during this i feel like um have we seen a scene like this in the comic or something like that or i don't know why like for some reason for some reason like when i was reading this scene i could see it in the ben stenbeck art but i think maybe my mind is just like filling in the blank (laughs) it's like ai generating it out of my yeah because like we've so far in almost every book episode there is something that harkens back to the comic 
Yeah. But I don't think in this one there is. And it's, yeah. like, and it's like, for some reason, I feel like that we I've seen this scene before, but maybe it's just because I've read this book before and it's all blurring together. There's like weird stuff that I've been doing this book and then going and try and find it, like names that I've heard. And I was like, we know this name. And then I go through all of the books and I can't find the name. I'm like, all right, is it just because I read this book before? I don't know. Right. But I do think we, we saw Baltimore sitting in a room in the dark. Mm-hmm. Waiting with the for window something. light coming in, shining on him. We've seen oh, that okay. before. Maybe that's you what, what I'm mean? thinking of. But I'm anyway. trying to remember what story that was. But this whole scene of them like waiting in the dark uh, for something to happen, I, I just feel it just feels familiar. Maybe because we had a scene with Doctor Rose like that, where he climbed up into that oak tree, yeah, and then he waited for that guy to become the demon bear or whatever. So I don't know. At dusk, Baltimore leaves the the dining room and is journaling to go up to the girls' room and discover her name to be. Mircha. Baltimore decides to tie the corpse to the bed and Yanko refuses to take part in, in this crazy shenanigans. They sit in the light and they have like a uncomfortable exchange, like just looking at each other. And then Baltimore sort of leaves or moves into the to a dark part of the room where he's covered by shadow completely. Um, and then he starts touching the handles of his guns and his knives, making sure everything's where it's supposed to be and all that stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's like yeah. that's just that's what he does to bide his time while he's just sitting there in the dark. Hours pass and Yanko gets anxious and angry. There's like a bell tower or clock that goes off, right? It's like one one a.m. or two. Right. Yanko goes that that's enough. He takes out a lantern to light it. Yanko tells Baltimore, "In the morning, you will go and trouble my father no more." The darkness starts to shift in the room. They hear something flap and strike the glass. I like that uh, description of the darkness, like shifting in the room, like some weird, yeah. like some weird supernatural thing, like precedes the arrival of the creature outside. Yeah, a winged blackness battered at the window, a large avian shape, far darker than the night. What the hell is? Yanko began to whisper. They're both in the dark, watching what's going on. Be still, I commanded. Watch. And then, as as they're watching, the dead girl starts trying to rise up from her mattress. The sheet starts slipping down, revealing her face and her shoulder. Her legs start to move, but Mircha is roped to the bed so she can't get up. Right, yeah. She starts to moan. She's like moaning. And uh, Yanko shrinks back in horror. At the window, the creature, whatever it is, flattens its wings against the glass. It like sort of fills up the glass, right? Right. And it becomes like a shadow on the glass. And then all of a sudden, a sliver of moon sort of comes through. It says an inky shadow began to slip into the room, goes through the walls, and then onto the ceiling, spilling above the ceiling and gliding across the room until it hung above the bed where the dead girl struggled. I love this. Uh, That is so crazy. So, like, the bat turned into a shadow and got in through the crease in the door, in the window frame, and now it's like part of the shadow on the roof and then it becomes a bat again right or something like yeah, that so yeah awesome. yeah in this story we get some like good vampire or like dracula lore, right like the shadow yeah. thing i love that that's a really cool that's a, a really cool description i can see that happening you know cinematically yeah i even feel like he glamours some people right like in this story i feel like two people got glamoured well one person for sure got glamoured but mm. oh yeah definitely gently baltimore nudges Yanko out of his way, sort of moves him out of his way so he can be there ready to get this beast. He gets his lantern, which he slides a hood open to reveal that one of the apertures cut into the metal of the lantern is a cross. It's a cross cut out. So shape. is this uh is this his or is it, did he get that there? I or think it's Baltimore. Like, 
It's like a weapon he that he has. That's yeah. yeah, I think he brought dope. it. That is so cool. It's like yeah. a laser. It's like midi. It's like a 1800s laser or something like that. Right. You know what I mean? So he sh- he shines it around and he puts the shape of the cross, striking Mircha and the living shadow that's a that was above her. And the girl hisses and bucks as the light hits her. I guess. But the piercing scream that tore through the room came not from the corpse, but from the writhing shadow. The shadow pulsed and stretched and took form. It lunges to the window and shatters the glass window of the, and the frame splintering all over the place. And it crashes into the night and then disappears. That's awesome. Yeah, really yeah. cool. When, yeah, it's crazy. Baltimore goes to the window. There's nothing lurking outside. And he's sure that whatever it was goes to descend upon another home in Corsia that night. But it will not return to the inn. He knows that. Get your ass yeah. burned if you come back over here. Exactly. When he returns, he sees Yanko had gone to stand over his sister's bed. The corpse was motionless, frozen in death. But its upper lip had curled into a like a snarl. Once she had been beautiful, now she's damned. I made no attempt to comfort the boy. His grief and sorrow are his own. Tomorrow we will burn her. June 11th. So this is the next day. Yeah. Yeah, this is the next day. But I don't know how many journal entries. I just got four. This is the fifth journal in the third entry. All right. Mm. They end up burning Milcha shortly after dawn. Baltimore explains fire purifies them. And Volpe's welcome Baltimore to stay at the inn as long as he wanted. From what he saw, there's a vampire. One of the, the master vampires. The kites the or world. whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, the kites. Yeah. And Baltimore would seek it out. Whether it was the one he was searching for or not. He wants, he's going to put an end to this one. Volpe's thanked Baltimore and Yanko watched as his sister became ashes. The cemetery is cool. We get a cool shot of, right? This is the church inside the cemetery, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. This picture. That's like wooden graves, maybe. It does look like that. Well, they talk about like they don't even have enough graves, right? I guess we're, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but they don't even yeah, have enough grave there. markers. Yeah. So they're probably just putting up wooden ones because they don't even. I mean, they yeah, don't, don't need this even... bed anymore. Nobody's sleeping in his bed anymore. Bed post, bam. Yeah, there you not, go. Not the marker. <laughs> Atop the cemetery, there's a small church that had appeared to be abandoned. And then Baltimore sees a man start approaching him. And Baltimore like gets ready and asks Volpe's, do you know him? Volpe's nods and he says, it's Tibor, the grave digger. Tibor had a skinny body with a pot belly. This guy looks like this guy's like super creep. Because I was yeah, also thinking like Tibor maybe was something supernatural or something or the bat or something like yeah. that, right? Yeah, or or just like a, like a minion of you know the vampire, right? Because oh, okay. like it's a, yeah. That's what I was thinking. He may have also been glamored. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. He, he helps the vampire whether he knows it or not. You know, he's like proud that he digs all these graves and people are downing and, and he can do so much work and he's so strong but also like he he may be glamored and be doing work because it's good like they die they get buried and then they right right yeah and we know what happens so tibor has this skinny body with a pot belly so big that it looks like he's a pregnant skinny woman mm-hmm. he's got a head of a skeleton and it's cocked to one side which seems like it's permanently that way <laughs> tibor seems to enjoy the scene he's walking up onto where they're burning their you know daughter and sister right yeah baltimore notices like he's a he's kind of weird he's kind of weird and creepy it's a weird dude yeah they are bedposts right these these grave markers that i, I didn't i was uh, wondering yeah. what they were but yeah it looks like they are bedposts or something like that i don't know that's just what i that was my that's what i thought yeah. baltimore says to volpe's ask tibor how many people died of the plague it is full tibor says the graveyard it is full Tibor is proud of the work that he's done. He's dug all these graves. He's he's a big, strong man. He can dig a lot of graves. He goes on to say that, like, if the plague hasn't taken him, he's never going to 
he's never going to die. It never will. Yeah. Get it, he At this, this point, point, yeah. Being around all those uh, plague-ridden bodies and stuff like that, I guess. That's what but also makes me feel like yeah, the vampire maybe can choose who gets sick or doesn't get sick, or he can protect people who exactly. are doing his yeah. work kind of thing. I hadn't I mean? thought of that. I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I wonder if that has something to do with it. Because he's around all of those sick bodies, so you right. like Tibor maybe would get it, but he's not getting it because he's putting all the bodies here in this graveyard, which we then find out Baltimore is like taking hands of dirt and like dropping him on the ground. He's sticking his leg in the ground. He's smelling the dirt. And he's like, there's no bodies in this graveyard. There's no bodies. I, these... I love that scene. That's a, That was yeah. so funny. Like I just tried to think about that of him like running around and sticking his hand. That's really cool. <laughs> it's like he's like his, uh, that's the Batman detective work moment. Yeah. He's like, no, there's no bodies here. Yanko says that's impossible. And he goes, nevertheless, it's true. There's no, there is no bodies here. And then he goes on to ask why the church has been left to rot. And he starts walking in that direction. The priest, Father Silvestru, abandoned Korsha and his church. He sold it to a nobleman who was passing through. The man claimed he wished it to be his private chapel in time, his tomb, eventually when he died. Baltimore starts walking towards the church. Tibur calls for them to stop, that the air in the church is poison. Tibur and Bolt, this is more of why I like, I'm like, Tibur is part of this right. you know yeah and it, whether he knows it or not he's definitely being manipulated by the vampire tipper and volpe's caught up with them to try and make sure that they don't go into the church and baltimore silences he says silence baltimore wants to know what became of the priest he asked yanko to ask tibor what became of the priest tibor glared first at him then at me the old man pushed the white wisps of his hair back and stood defiantly as though the muscles he was so proud of could have stopped the bullets, my bullets, or blade. At length, he relented, lowering his gaze. He answered quietly, brushing the words away, a shaking hand, as though it meant nothing. Father Sylvester became a hermit, he says. He has retired to a cottage in the woods, where he keeps as a chapel. It's haunted, and nobody goes there. And then uh, Baltimore asks about if he has the scar on his face. Oh, yeah, he asked if the noble, like, who is this noble man? Did he arrive the same time as the plague came? Did he have a scar on his face? He asked about him. They're like, I don't know. We don't, we don't really know. And he's like, I want to talk to this Father Silvestro. So Baltimore tells Volpes to go get the priest. And he tells him to bring people, like, bring back some people with him, right? He's like, uh, yeah, you got to take some people with you that you can trust. Yeah. Yeah. In case the, uh, the father doesn't want to come or the priest doesn't want to come. And then Baltimore gets Yanko to talk to Tibor and get the tail from his side of what happened with Father Silvestro. Tibor and Father Silvestro knew each other pretty well. When Tibor was younger, he would see him pretty much every day. They were partners in death, they called each other. He never thought Father Silvestro would ever leave the church. When he found out Father Silvestro had left and resided in the chapel in the woods, that something was wrong. The chapel in the woods was an ancient place. It was haunted and a place where pagans had worshipped. When Tibor started burying victims from the plague, he knew that they needed their priest back and decided to go to the chapel in the woods. He would bring Sylvester, Father Sylvester back. <clears throat> there was like a family that he liked. He was like, oh, I really liked this family and they all died. Right. And let me go find yeah. that priest so he can at least like yeah, help say them something. out and stuff. In his journey to go into the woods to find the chapel, it becomes darker than earlier. And then he starts, he sees a parade of unearthly lights like these little, this sort of remind me of Pinocchio. The new, mm -hmm. um, right. but there's little lights. Each one of them, he notices, has a face. They were ghosts of the victims of the plague. Yanko is astonished to hear the story because he's like, I've heard all these as, you know, fairy tales, but I've never heard 
it firsthand from somebody who experienced seeing this stuff. And then Baltimore explains that they're will, will of the wisps. That's what they called them back in England. Yeah. He's like, I'm a fancy boy, and we had books and stuff. <laughs> and I learned that they're actually called, actually, Yanku, they're called Will of the Wisps. So these are atmospheric <laughs> ghost lights seen by travelers at night. They're popular in folklore, especially over bogs, swamps, or marshes. The phenomenon is known as jack-o'-lantern, friar's lantern, and hinky punk. Hinky punk. And it is said to mislead travelers by resembling a flickering lamp or lantern. In literature, will-o'-the-wisp metaphorically refers to a hope or a goal that leads one on but is impossible to reach or something one finds strange or sinister. So that kind of fits both of those definitions, I guess. But anyway. Yeah, totally. Well, Tibor follows the lights. He follows the lights. And maybe this is where he gets glamoured. Maybe he goes to chapel. Right, because he says like he he can't control it, right? Yeah. It just starts taking him over there. Yeah. So he follows the lights and it brings him to a clearing. And that's where he finds the chapel. Um, and we get an awesome illustration of the chapel. This this illustration is actually... Oh, I love that. Yeah, really yeah, nice. As he's watching the lights, they travel into the chapel where Father Silvestro is kneeling with his eyes closed and his hands clasped around a small wooden box. He seems entranced in this moment. There's a table. Against the wall was a table where once there had been a row upon row of candles that worshipers would light in remembrance of their dead. And then one by one, these lights go up to the, sh- the shimmering spirits, went up to the table and reached out to light a candle. One by one, they vanished until all of them had gone. But invisible candles burned. I thought that was like super weird. There's some weird stuff happening in this one. Yeah. Yeah. The gravedigger returns back to the village and never, ever goes back to the woods ever again after that day. Baltimore tells Yanko to take Tibor and get his sister uh, the burial she deserves. Your father will thank you for it. When that is finished, then go and look for your father and make sure that he returns. The source of evil is here at meaning the cemetery. So Baltimore is going to stay at the cemetery while they go and do that task. And they're like, you sure you're going to be here when we get back? And he's like, I'm going to be here. I'm not going no, well, I thought this part was uh, notable where he's like, when he tells Yanku that he has to go out there, he's like, the boy goes, well, what if evil has touched Father Sylvester? And Baltimore goes, well, then perhaps you'll die. It's like, he just tells him like, well, yeah, you might die, dude. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. He's like, but the source of the horror is here. So I need to stay here. And he's like, but he straight up tells the dude like, yeah, dude, this might be it. This might be the last thing that you go do right now, but it needs to be done, you know? And yeah, it needs to be done. He's just so matter of fact with all of this stuff. We get some other cool parts later in the next piece. Yeah. Then we're on entry number four, June 11th, 19-whatever, later that day. So I guess he got a little break to journal. He's like, all right, while those guys do that, I'm going to sit yeah. in the church. <laughs> He's heading back journal. to the outhouse. Do some journaling. <laughs> Nature calls yet again. I'm like, man, he keeps going to use that outhouse. He's <laughs> been there for hours. <laughs> well, he ate three servings of venison. Yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> don't forget that charcuterie board that he had in his backpack. Yeah, he's like, I don't have much except for a whole lot. <laughs> I paid like $15 for that at a restaurant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's a lot. <laughs> so Baltimore waits inside the abandoned church. Rotten mold had moved into the church. As he's sitting in there, he can hear the screams of the priest coming and knows that Volpe's and his son had returned. Baltimore went to the door and he could see the men with the priest and like 30 other villagers 
following. The priest is asking to be released and he's like trying to get out of the arms of the guys holding him and he's clutching onto this box that's still in his right. hand. On the box, Baltimore sees a symbol on the top of it. That's the same symbol that was on an abandoned carriage outside of town. Oh, okay. I didn't catch that earlier. Oh. Said, that's a neat detail, yeah. I was wondering also, I wonder if we saw that symbol. Because like the Red King has his symbol too, you know? Right, right. But like that's where he... That's where he came in from or whatever, the nobleman. Yeah. He asks Yanko what's in the box. And he says the priest. <laughs> what's in the box? Says, what's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? I mean, it's kind what's of the, the same stuff. Box? <laughs> he says the priest says it's the gold that the nobleman paid him for the church with. They couldn't take the box from the priest. And the priest has been holding onto it so long that his fingernails are in the box like he didn't dig them in they have grown into the box yeah, oh man that's messed up baltimore says you damn fool because he sold his soul baltimore pulls out his pistol right mm-hmm. pulls out one of his pistols and shoots the box like blows it to smithereens the contents were a few black coins with that same symbol that was on the lid um some teeth finger bones and a great quantity of spiders that screwed away <laughs> that was the price that Father Silvestro had paid for this church and for his soul. Fuck. Yeah, that's a cool reveal. And it kind of reminded me of um, Hellboy a little bit, like bones and stuff like that. Like little, having a bone of something or, you know, yeah. uh, Crooked Man, uh, Tom Farrow has a bone. And yeah, I want to say that they're able to make something out of Hellboy's horn. Or, I don't know. Some of the imagery. Kind oh, of right. Yeah, me. they uh, they did some sort of like um, mind control thing with his horn or something. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. With... Uh, in darkness calls or whatever so anyway the bones and all that imagery the bones and the teeth pretty gruesome pretty mm-hmm. interesting father silvestro he's his all of his stuff has just been exploded and he's screaming like a wild animal baltimore calls him a judas like a traitor and he knows how to say it in romanian too so he tells him in so that way well, he, he says, knows what he means no he goes traducator which is translator he's calling for a translator oh okay that's what he's calling for he wants somebody to come here and translate right to yeah. the priest or translate from the priest good job that's what google translate told me it was so no no guarantee <laughs> oh no he wants somebody to translate to the people that are there to the villagers to the men specifically right yes. tells volpes not to worry about the mercy for the priest because he think he looks sad for the priest the villagers need to know what's going on here the darkness that their loved ones will be like Mercha. i kind of laughed at this part where he's like uh Baltimore, because Baltimore is pissed at this priest, and he's oh, just yeah. he's looking at him like he's the scourge of the earth, like he's just slime. And he goes, "I seized up my walking stick, which I had laid aside upon entering the church, and dealt him a blow across the back. Something cracked inside him, and I cared not." Yeah. <laughs> and everyone nice. else is like, "Holy shit! Why are you beating this <laughs> crazy old priest?" And he's like, "Don't seek mercy for him. He yeah. deserves that crack on the back." Yeah, pretty awesome. Damn priest. <laughs> The darkness is here, my friends. And this Bazaconi gave it a place <laughs> to I don't know I should have looked up that word, Bazaconi. I'm gonna look it up. It's gotta be a curse word, right? Gave it a place to nest and then ran away and let it feast upon you all. Tell them, I demanded. So Volpes nodded gravely and, and put a hand on his son's shoulder and they started telling the people what's going on. And there's there's some arguing going on. Outside the shadows start to grow long as he's explaining this. The light begins to fade. The arguments of the village people stopped and the priest gathered what treasure he could and made his way to the door, like to leave. As he looked out the front door, he stared with terror in his eyes. Apus de sore, he said in a panic, sunset. 
is what that means. Yeah, he's freaking out because the sun's going down. Yeah. Did you did you look up that curse word? Yeah. So it says absurdity, maggot, oddity. Oh, maggot. Sweet. So something like that, I guess. So he's yeah, like maggot. this slime ball or whatever, something like that. Baltimore tells the guys to bind the priest. The men grab him and return him back to the church, but they don't bind him. Volpes and his son grab onto him and hold him, and then some other men come and help him, and then they go deeper into the church where they do end up binding him. They bind him to like a pillar or something, right? To the statue of St. Peter. Oh, yeah, the statue mm-hmm. of St. Peter, yeah. They get him tied, and Baltimore dismisses everybody like, hey, you guys, you everybody leave. And Yanko doesn't want to leave. He wants to stay, but Baltimore won't allow it. You can kind of see that Yanko is happy that he's leaving and also kind of like he's trying to be a tough guy, but he's also like, all right, hey, um, I don't yeah. actually be here. He's like, are you sure? Okay, well, you know, no. I, I asked once, so there you go. <laughs> I don't feel bad about it now. <laughs> yeah i mean it gets crazy it's a good thing that boy left the sun begins to set the priest is weeping baltimore kind of leans into him and says no vampire should ever be able to set foot in a church father celestial and no vampire should ever be able to lay hands on a man of god but you invited the devil in priest you defiled your church and yourself pray and you may be saved ask saint peter for forgiveness for you will never have mine damn yeah he really hates this dude. It's pretty good how like how much he like he just totally takes this guy down a peg like the entire time. Yeah, he's just yeah, like he so came... pissed at this guy for all this bullshit that he did. He invited the the vampire there. He walks away, leaving him there, and he like looks back at the, the sculpture of Jesus, right? And he goes, "Damn you!" He whispers at the broken savior, "Damn you for choosing me." As ever, the Lord made no response. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I like yeah. that line. Yeah, because, I mean, he's got to do it. He's like, oh, man, I got this wooden leg. I got to carry around all this stuff. Got to carry the stuff, provisions, weapons, lanterns. Charcuterie board. (laughs) (laughs) And then Baltimore finds a nice dark spot, gets out his little um, cross lamp and starts journaling, waiting for the sun to go down. Yep. Let me get my journaling in before all this other stuff happens. As he's sitting in the dark, his his mind sort of travels into like this kid state again, right? We sort of see this. Yeah, he starts to lose it a little bit as he's sitting there in the dark for too long. And he starts, like, imagining that he's a kid again. And he's like, what if all of this is just me being a little kid sick in bed? Like, it's pretty crazy. Like, and he's, like, thinking of the the jack-in-the-box and the Mm -hmm. devil. And he's linking them two together. And when the the jack-in-the-box laughs, it's the machine gun fire from all all of his friends dying and all this kind of stuff. It's pretty, like... He's having some hardcore PTSD right here in this moment. You know what I yeah, mean? Sitting all... there in the dark and just going through all of this in his mind. It's pretty wild. And the descriptions are, it paints a pretty horrifying picture. It really does. Yeah. It's all the fault of the goblin, he says. Did I say this story, the, what the story is in the book? The story is the tin soldier falls in love with a paper ballerina. And at some point, but he thinks the jack in the box puts him on the windowsill. And because the jack in the box puts him on the windowsill, when the boys come running in, wind blows and he like falls out the window. Oh. And then he goes on this adventure where another boy finds him, picks him up and makes a little paper boat and puts him in like a sewage drain. And he goes into the sewers and then this rat attacks his boat and he like gets away from the rat, falls into the water and then gets eaten by a fish. And then somebody catches the fish and it goes to market or something like that. And a cook buys the fish and then the cook happens to be the original boy who owned him's cook and she like cuts open and finds the little tin soldier and makes the fish and then gives the soldier back to the boy and then the soldier ends up back in the room and then like the little boy is 
younger brother, something happens where like he gets thrown into the fire and then like wind blows the ballerine into the fire and then they like burn up together and then right. they make a shape of a heart. And so does he talk about the goblin or is the... Yeah, the goblin's like laughing, like the jack-in-the-box goblin's like oh, like laughing in the story. Like oh, it laughs. Okay. It laughs at the soldier. I'll have to read it again. I read it one time, but it's a, it's a short story you can read in one sitting. It sounds pretty like... Uh... Yeah. It sounds like a downer. Oh, yeah. Totally a downer. Read it to my little, I read it to my son. Told him that story. <laughs> he's He's got that burned into his memory forever now. And I was like, don't date anybody. You'll burn in a fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the story. So that's like all the, the relations that he had to like the goblin in the box and the rats and all that stuff. Right. Because he says the rats have been sent by the goblin, the jack in the box, all this stuff. So it's all tying yeah, together all with the story, too. Mm-hmm. So he's imagining himself as the tin soldier in the story that he heard as a kid and all this stuff. Yeah. My eyes open. I knew who I was. I knew who I am. That boy, the tin soldier. The hunter, I am all of these things. And then he sees these little beady red eyes all over the church, right? That are on the ground and stuff like that. Right. And they're hissing forms darting away from the light. He thinks they're rats, but they're not rats. The crept had been turned into a freshly plowed field. The red eyes that had watched me were those of men, women, and children of Korsha, who had fallen victim to the plague. Their flesh was pale, save for the blue-black crescent beneath their eyes. So it's all the villagers. They are ready so- to fight him. From the graveyard, right? That's why there was nothing in the grave was because yeah. they're all here. Right. That's what, that's what I assumed. Then we go on. There were dozens of them, and he was merely one. He was going to have to fight them all. The true vampires, the carrion eaters, I had first seen that horrid dawn at the Ardennes forest are difficult to kill. But these plague creatures were pale imitations, the foot soldiers of the Red King. They had to be rendered down to parts, utterly destroyed, and later burned to prevent their repair. I was more than willing. On they came nice <laughs> that's fucking badass yeah i like all that well um right before all that too this is a great opportunity he takes out that lantern again with the beam of yeah the and he cross, starts like yeah. burning some of them and it's yeah. pretty cool yeah this whole scene is like it's pretty well written yeah and then we get chaos ensues and he starts destroying these lower level vampires yeah I, and there's a lot of descriptions in here of like bullets caved in faces yeah i trod the ravaged corpses underfoot breaking bones and crushing skulls their skin tore like parchment and their bones snapped like kindling yeah, he um, talked all about... this is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, this description yeah, yeah. of the fight, the uh, yeah, it was really good. I was thinking the way that the way that Mignola would draw this would be like there would be a couple red panels, some flying skulls here and there, and yeah, you know. I know what you're talking about though. You don't really see all of it. You just see like red. You mm-hmm. might see the sword going through the air or something yeah, like some that. Blood flying off, and there would be like a skull there and some fire and like a and the light. The and then, like, w- one really cool, like, sound effect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, spludge or something like that. Yeah, spludge. You'd have, you'd have one vampire being like, darn. <laughs> As he's getting spludged. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's like, darn. <laughs> they talk about the different guns that he uses, too, right? The, mm-hmm. the Webley yeah, or whatever. Yeah, the Webley. And, um, and a Mauser, which is like a semi-automatic gun, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and his Scottish dirk which is like a, it's like a two-foot blade knife and then he also has like some sort of like two-shot knife dagger i mean gun dagger or something right like dagger pistol yeah dagger pistol gun blade like from from uh, final fantasy final fantasy 8 nice <laughs> <laughs> and he starts talking about how he's getting gashed by them and how 
it kind of, it's kind of like he likes it. it. It's a reminder of that he was still alive and he's still Yeah, alive. he's getting so, like, the adrenaline is like, and he's like, all, you know, at least I, I know that I'm alive when they're cutting me and it's kind of pumping him up, it seems like, to keep yeah. fighting. Yeah, that's how I read it. Yeah, he's like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> like, at this point, he's like, pretty much done, I think, taking care of those. And then he hears a uh, rustling of wings. Baltimore talks about the vampire being familiar in a way. And he sees him. But this one had two eyes not like the one he was looking for but tonight it would die in his place i like he, he's excited too when the vampire's coming he's like it yeah. says uh, i found a prickle like a thousand spiders upon my skin so he's like he gets pumped he's like yeah bring on the big guy i'm gonna i'm gonna get him yeah next level vampire had an accent he notices he's like I, I can't place the accent it's it's like from an ancient time the vampire goes you are trespassing sir this place belongs to me i like a, he's like proper yeah he's like i have documents that name me owner he's like i have the paperwork all right like you can't be here yeah. i'm gonna call the police on you all right <laughs> everything in these walls are mine damn it <laughs> i will forgive your intrusion he went on I will forgive your trespasses if you leave at once. And then from his leather coat, he took out the head of his harpoon and starts screwing it on his walking stick. I love this. He's just like, he just, I don't know. It seems like such a badass move. Yeah, because he's like listening to the vampire plead his case and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like screwing yeah. the, the top of his harpoon on. He's like, yeah, he might as well like be loading a gun or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. He's like, this This is my big gun for taking down the big vampires. Yeah, right. Exactly. But the, I like they do show that um, the vampire has that cross burned into him because this is the same one that was in Mircha's room, right, mm. from the other night. So it has that mark on him. We had a picture of the bat. Yeah, and I didn't even talk about it. I meant to talk about it. Mike does an illustration of the light, the cross light and the bat flying through the light. Yes, yeah, we did see that cool. on a previous page. I'll I'll put those side by side. Yeah, those um, are that'll awesome. Be a, that'll be a cool social media post. Yeah, content, content. <laughs> <laughs> so the the vampire goes on. I've I've heard tales of you, Lord Baltimore. The vermin said, "You are formidable. Leave here now. Leave this church and Corsha to me, and I will tell you where to find the creature you seek." the one you have pursued these many years. And uh, Baltimore goes on to say, the temptation was momentary. Its kind could speak nothing but lies. I will find him, he says to the vampire. I have no doubt, I replied. And when I do, you will be only a memory. Unfortunate, the vampire whispered. Such is my lot. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Then it leaps back, wings furling, hideous face elongated. And in my mind, I could see the way the creature had torn at the corpses of the soldiers who had served under my command. Snouts painted with their blood. The vampire lunged for my throat, and I did not turn away. Yes. And, that, and it's kind of like leaves it on a cliffhanger. I don't think that's happened yet in the book yet. where you yeah. you end one of these and you're kind of like, what's going to happen next? But I mean, it's kind of like, this is a good place to stop too because it's like uh, they're reading the journal. So I guess this is the point where they would go back to the letter if they're following the instructions instructions appropriately the way you're supposed to. Well, you know he lives because he couldn't write this last journal entry, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. So that that's what I was going to say. He, he had to live, but then also... Why did Yanku bring the the journal too? So it's kind of like, did something happen? You know what I mean? Maybe he lived long enough to write the thing, but I don't know. You know, it just kind of like leaves you wondering what's the fate of Baltimore? What state is he in at this point? You know, it's in journal six, which you can't find unless you have journal seven. 
Yeah. <laughs> and that one is buried over in this place. You got to go you got to go to the Ugly Muse and ask to drink a a whiskey and sarsaparilla. Yeah, then... <laughs> watered watered down piss whiskey. Yeah. Ugh. And then and then and then after that you got to do three knocks and then they'll give you the the next journal. <laughs> anyway yeah this was great i'm excited to finish this book man we've yeah, uh we, we're we've, almost there we're almost at the end here and yeah, uh one last section and that's it and uh one thing i thought was well aubrey and i were kind of laughing about this a little bit because it's like we're we're reading a book of them reading a book and then at a certain <laughs> point he starts telling a story yeah from somebody else <laughs> else's story and it's just like wow it's a it's a flashback within a flash forward yes yeah, <laughs> like superman cool. shooting a superman out of his hand shooting a superman out of his hand. <laughs> oh man exactly <sighs> Uh, great callback there, Wes. That was awesome. Well, thank you, Wes, so much for joining us today and taking us through that penultimate chapter of the book. And we'll come back next month and finish the book and we'll be able to talk about all this and then we'll be able to get back to some comics for the Baltimore story. Yeah. So that'll yeah. be really exciting. Awesome. I guess like in all the other stories, there's been like some supernatural thing and that we haven't seen before you know what i mean they all have right, like their own right. little flavor and on this one i was trying to think like what is the weird thing but i guess the weird thing was the box with the fingernails grown into it that just had like teeth and bones inside yeah right? the... it's pretty weird um but i did like the description of the vampire turning into the shadows and yeah. getting into the house that way yeah that was so cool that was really awesome too so yeah I was trying to think, like, what is the weird thing? They all have a weird thing. And I was like, what is the weird thing from that one? It has to be the weird box with the nails grown into it. Yeah, that, the that. box was weird. That the was old, disturbing. Old hag with the blue eyes. Yeah, there yeah, you there go. You go. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I'm excited to hear what you guys thought about this part of the book. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. That was the next section of Baltimore, the actual book and book club member comics, comic books, whatever. <laughs> Actual book, Actual book club. Let us know what you thought. Send us a hey you damn guys at bookclubmembercomics at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at bookclubmembercomics and on Twitter at bookclubmembers if it hasn't exploded yet. And as always, you can always find all of our resources on our Facebook About section, our Podbean website, and our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. As always, a special thank you to Paul from Gatahan for the listener feedback theme. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Only Beast, for the uh, theme music. And uh, thank you, Ross and Matt, for the art, the logo, and the banner. Thanks, guys, and you're welcome. You're Thank you. You can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And when you're there, open it up and give us that five-star review. Every little bit helps. And if you're enjoying the podcast, tell a friend. Have them join the book club. Yes, do it. Uh, next week, we're going back over to the Hellboy Book Club podcast, and we're going to be interviewing Michael Aving Oming. Yes. Whoa. Awesome. Very oh, excited. Yeah. So if you guys have any questions for him, send it our way at uh, hellboybookclub at gmail.com. And uh, we'll uh, be sure to get him out to you know, ask him the questions you guys have. So you guys know what to do. Get prepared to listen to us talk to Michael Aving Oming next yes. week on check Hellboy out, Book Club uh, podcast. Yeah, you'll want to check out Abe Sapien, Land of the Dead. Hellboy in the BPRD 1956. What else did he do? He did another one, right? Oh, there's like a Christmas story in there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Get on the Hellboy wiki and look at all the stuff that he's done. And then let us know if you have any questions. That would be so awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. Oh, I'm an old hag that wags her crooked finger at people that are trying to go into a town that I don't want them to go to. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I'm Aubrey Loveless. I am the scourge of the vampire. Yes. Yes, you are, Aubrey. Yes, you are. Ha, 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 ha.